Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Rodney DeBulsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donna, the former Georgia football head coach, the Hall of Famer himself, the uh, hardest working man in Athens. If you ever go out there on a 100-degree uh, uh, day and look on the tennis courts, you'll see Coach Donna out there. He's uh, busting his butt every day on the tennis courts, making us all look bad, and uh, I, re I resent it. I really do. Uh, it it, 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 yeah, it angers me to be... 50 years old and get my butt kicked by a uh, yeah, I don't play. Man, who, man who older than me. It's not fair. I don't play every day, but I played a lot so I can still move around, but not, not that great. But we're going to talk a lot of ball today. We got Dane Young over there talking golf, uh, trying to get the uh, Live Foundation going there with the uh, with Greg Norman. He's meeting with him. <laughs> uh, that's the enemy in these parts. I'm at East Lake Golf Club in Atlanta doing some work with the Tour Championship. And I'll apologize now if I have spotty internet throughout this. So uh, this is going to be a ride. We'll see. Yeah, we don't want to talk to you anyway, but we do want to talk about, give a quick shout out to our podcast sponsors, of course, Academia Brewing Company. Go by and check them out when you get a chance. Athens Ford. If you need a new or pure vehicle, get, get to them quickly. Dead Soxy, I'm hoping a lot of you fathers, folks out there got some Dead Soxy socks. If not, now is the time to go get them. And, of course, a your pie. It's Tuesday. Go get your your pie pizzas ordered while you have the chance. Uh, Coach, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, the fact that uh, the season's 10 weeks away, or just about. We're kind of getting we'll, – we'll be getting into those single-digit weeks, you know, nine weeks, eight weeks, seven weeks, and every little bump, you know, is like – it's Easter, then it's the Masters, then it's Father's Day. You know, uh, uh, each time you get just a little, little bit closer, you know, had Memorial Day weekend not too long ago. Uh, it's getting closer and closer. And I just saw this morning that Stetson Bennett's out of the Peyton Manning camp, not the quarterback camp. Uh, it, it, I, I don't want to get everybody hyped up, but I'm starting to feel like it. We're, it's not that long slog away. Now we're trying the boat slowly turning towards the season instead of looking back at the last season. Of course, still want to look back at last season's championship, but now it's kind of focusing forward a little bit. Yeah, you got to always think about certain landmarks getting you ready for the season. Uh, this, the Manning camp, you know, the last couple quarterbacks here, uh, Jake Fromm went, uh, JT Daniels, I think. Now uh, Stetson, and I think 12 quarterbacks from the SEC are going to be there along with 36 others around the country. It's just an amazing camp that they have. They have over 600 people come to it. A lot of them are <clears throat> younger kids. But uh, the idea is they have nightly workouts for the, uh, the better quarterbacks that come, like the, these guys here that are instructors. <coughs> so it'll be fun to watch how Stetson does. What do you learn at that? Nothing. <laughs> uh, I mean, just it's just a babysitting camp for the younger quarterbacks, and I'm sure that when I said nothing. I'm sure uh, it gives you a chance to compare yourself to the other quarterbacks around the country for sure. Like they they do some tests and stuff like that, but it, it's more of a camaraderie thing. Get to know the other quarterbacks, and you have a good experience in. You get good exposure there, you know. Peyton and uh, Eli look at you, and uh, you know I've I've had Arch, you know Archie Manning before has made comments about certain guys that, that that I've heard that were pretty much on sync as far as what happened when they ended up getting drafted and all. But you know, there's nothing like being there with the other guys and seeing what your arm strength's like, what your accuracy's like, all that stuff. So it's kind of it's a good deal, and uh, I think. Certainly been very good over the years. They've had it for, for a long time. And uh, it, it's good to see Stetson be recognized like that. But but then the next thing we'll have is SEC media days, and then it'll be time to crank it up. But uh, I know one of the things that's really exciting here right now the last couple weeks has been the uh, just the amount of good players that have been here on campus testing and and uh, finding out what they can do uh, compared to the other guys we're recruiting. You know, one of the things everybody talks about uh, as a metric is the 40-yard dash, and that certainly gives you a good idea. But the standing broad jump, the uh, vertical jump, the shuttle run, those are all really good indicators of a guy's athletic ability. 
if you don't have any explosion in today's football world, you're going to have a hard time because you got so much strength in, and uh, and these guys are so strong that you've got to have the agility to go with it and the explosiveness. So if all of a sudden you're a defensive back and you've got a plus 35-inch vertical jump, Kirby Smart's going to be looking at you as long as you run under 4-6 as a junior and then hopefully he gets better than that. But uh, quickness, explosion, all that stuff is good. And nothing like having a little card on file of this is what this guy did as a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader. And the more you get him around, the better you're going to know about him. Yeah, we just had the underclassmen combine or underclassmen challenge, excuse me, where we invited the top uh, underclassmen in the nation to come to Atlanta. Uh, they came from all over the country, Florida, California, Texas, uh, the Northeast, Mid- uh, Mid-Atlantic, out uh, Midwest. We were just loaded with players out there, over 100 of them. And there was a offensive lineman. And, of course, a lot of them you don't know. I mean, we're talking to kids who just finished their freshman year, just finished their sophomore year. Uh, very, very young guys, guys who are going to be a junior next year. Uh, there was one offensive lineman that just kind of kicking people's butts. You know, he's very quiet. Uh, that make all you know would just put guys on the ground and not say anything about it. Whereas a lot of these guys kind of chirp and let the defense know that they beat him or vice versa. And so they're going to get water. And I walk up behind him. I'm like, hey, I'm looking at my list here. I'm like, uh, number eighty six. Hey, hey, Mr. Daniels. He turns around. He's very uh, quiet voice. I'm like, Jonathan Daniels. Have, have you heard from Georgia recently? He's like, oh, yes, sir. I was there yesterday. They offered me. I'm like. <laughs> Now, here I was thinking I found this diamond in the rough coach. You know, I was going to tell you about him. And uh, now he apparently camped at Georgia the day before, kicked a bunch of people's butts. And, uh, of course, he had that explosiveness that you're talking about. Georgia put him through the paces. They did a uh, evaluation of him. And sure enough, now he's got a Georgia offer. So uh, we, the Georgia's having a lot of guys come up and do the seven-on-sevens. And there's a really big standout. The coaches get to watch them there. But they're also, like you said, they're hosting these things. And Georgia has been on a tear in recruiting. I feel really bad for Ryan Wright, one of our analysts. He was asked a uh, kind of a fact or fiction uh, mon- question about, you know, how's Georgia's class going to be? Will they have a top five class this year? And he's like, I don't think they will. They're really far out. And uh, they just recruited so well. It's about time they had a class that's, you know, six to ten, but not maybe not top five. Georgia had four commits in the last eight days. And they pulled two kids from Alabama. Another kid they wanted was looking at Tennessee and Auburn. They've just been racking them up, Coach. And Georgia's on a hot streak right now in recruiting. Yeah, and it's going to get even hotter. I think uh, just the thing that they've been waiting on is to check some of these guys out in camp and uh, see what they've done. A lot of them have already been here last year. so uh, But there's nothing like coming over here and getting a workout and seeing what you can do. I know – We've mentioned it before. Lewis Seen just made his mark here on a on-campus workout. I mean, there was some question about certain things, and then once you see a guy in person, uh, boy, it's just nothing like it. So uh, it's a it's a fun time for coaches because you're really uh, enhancing your profession and your uh, your program by you know your ability to evaluate guys. And uh, boy, we've got some good evaluators here and not just on the coaching staff, but the other guys that help them. And, uh, you know, when you have a two or 300 guys here at one time each day, it's uh, very uh, important that Coach Smart has a chance to see each one of them, and he's got to be moving around, and they got people working back and forth. So, and, uh, you know, and then if all of a sudden the guy is a player, then you got to get him his picture made in his uniform and all that stuff. <laughs> make him feel good. So, Equipment guys are on point too. So uh, Gage Witten and Will Wells, all those guys are doing a good job. John Mishad, they, they do a good job getting these guys uniforms. And, and boy, we could have so many uniform combinations now. You see the all white, you see the red pants, the black pants. Uh, I saw one kid had a black jersey with red pants on. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> he was all jacked up. He liked what he had on and then sit on the throne. Uh, it's just. Uh, it's, it's a thrill of a lifetime for these kids to have that. God, I'm sitting here in front of the national championship uh, trophy, and I got a chance to come to Georgia. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. Let's point out, too, that one of those recruits that committed in the last eight days 
is from the Columbus, Georgia area, just across the river in Phoenix City, Alabama. And I say that only to say when you start looking at what Dell McGee's done in his old hometown uh, with Michael Williams, with uh, Jackson Meeks from Phoenix City a few years ago, that, that's Georgia territory, lockdown. Yeah, he's point. getting ready to get Kelton Smith, too. I think that offensive lineman, uh, I think that's his name. Uh, thing about that I was talking to a guy for a national piece here a couple days ago, he was doing some information about what did coaches used to do in the past when you didn't have all these camps and all these uh, rivals ratings and all that stuff and, and the uh, huddle where you could get the, you know, instant tape on. And uh, I, I was talking about the coaches in the old days used to have, you should have an area and that was your area, and you you might recruit running backs, quarterbacks, defensive linemen, but whoever's there now is so much specific running backs for Dell McGee and wide receivers for McClendon the court. But the one thing that Dell McGee is as big a part of this program as next to Kirby Smart is his ability to recruit the other guys. Uh, he was a lead dog on Justin Fields. He's so many of these guys. He just he's just kind of that father away from home guy that's been a high school coach that can relate to the coaches so well. And, and I'm not just pointing him out. We got plenty of those guys, but I think sometimes guys get, you know, and, and the new defensive back coach did a great job on that Harris kid. But, but in the interim period there, Dale kept things straight and got this guy to the point where once he knew that, uh, you know, we were going to have a good secondary coach there come in. So I, I give, can't give enough kudos for uh, Coach McGee and what he does recruiting-wise. And just overall with the program, the way he represents uh, around the community and everything and, and what he does for these players off the field. It's just uh, it's going to be tough when we lose him. I know he's going to be a head coach very quickly. Yeah, that's one uh, situation where you, you, you're very excited to see a guy like that uh, get his shot, but at the same time, it just kills you when he leaves his organization. He is so very talented. I do want to mention, Coach, uh, a couple of those guys that are committed to Georgia. You mentioned working them out. Uh, Peyton Woodring, the kicker from uh, Louisiana, Georgia had him in on a camp, and they loved him. And he had just been to Alabama. Alabama, he had camped there. Alabama liked him. They offered him. He was probably going to commit to Alabama pretty quickly, but Georgia was able to get in. Kind of, I don't say last second because he's got time, but you know, before the Alabama offer and commitment, Georgia was able to drive a wedge in there. And now Peyton Woodring is committed to Georgia. That's a kicker. They really like him. Uh, Josh Miller, offensive lineman out of Chester, Virginia. If you look at his tape, uh, you're like, why well, is he not rated higher? And it's a situation where maybe rivals and the other recruiting services, they don't. Our rankings don't match what's the rankings inside the FX Association. They really like Josh Miller as a, a guy who can play off, you know, uh, guard, tackle, maybe even center. Uh, C.J. Allen, we definitely maybe have him underrated. Uh, three-star linebacker out of Barnesville, Georgia. It's a guy, you know, Josh Miller came in, C.J. Allen came in. They blew up their camps. The coaches loved yeah. what they did, but they worked out. And, of course, you, know, you mentioned A.J. Harris. He's one of the top defensive backs in the nation. Uh, that's – he was definitely high up their chart. So – I always tell people, don't look at – I don't want to run down rivals. I know our guys, they do a great job being analysts, but the priority that Georgia puts on a kid sometimes is the same priority yeah, I mean, you would. So ridiculous. I mean, I'm glad – I mean, that's your side and all, but there's, there's not one person that watches this show, I hope, that really has any doubt about why Kirby Smart would offer a guy a scholarship. Look at Lane yeah. McConkey. Uh, I mean, come on, people. If, if he thinks the guy's a player, then who cares what the stars are? And that's the way I felt like uh, Randy McMichael. I can go through uh, 50 of them that, that uh, you know, didn't have quite the ballyhoo. And here's the thing I think about this uh, Miller. Is that the kid, the, the uh, offensive lineman? Yes, he, he plays at a really small private school up in Virginia, and they don't get near the uh, – those schools don't get near the – national pub unless they're a ranking you know a high ranking team so right. an offensive lineman on a team in a 1a school it's not valley <laughs> who that maybe a guy in a you know a big school is going to get and there's where stacy coming in as a new old line coach 
had an existing relationship because he had seen him in North Carolina. He'd come to their camp, I think. And then when we got him down here, everybody just jumped on him because of what, you know, he can move and he's got good, good size and explosive. So that was just kind of a pennies from heaven type deal because, you know, it doesn't matter who else wants him as far as we're concerned. It's just the fact that he meets the criteria, what Stacy wants and what uh, Kirby wants. And, and then the kicker, there's nothing like seeing a guy kick and watching his timing and the pressure that's on him with all the coaches watching him. You know, I mean, you got to deliver, man. I mean, you got to make this kick like you kicking for win the conference championship and all that. And they put that kind of heat on. They don't really talk to him about it, but you know, you got all these guys watching it. But the thing he's looking at is opportunity. Uh, Pod's going to be graduating this year, although he could come back. But I think he'll probably go out. But you know, there's a good opportunity for a kicker here, and why not? You, you're going to go to a place that scores a lot of points. You're going to be kicking off a lot, and you're going to get a lot of exposure. And uh, you don't want to be kicking for a team that, you know, all they do is struggle to score touchdowns and have a winning program. So uh, here's the, the guy leads Louisiana. Uh, he's smart. He's coming in here to a good situation for him. I, I don't think anybody could come to a better situation for as a place kicker than replacing pod and coming in. You know, Zirkle's still here, and he's a good, solid kicker, and he can kick off, but I think they, they really feel good about this young man. Yeah, Coach, uh, you mentioned a- Lad McConkey. Here's a question from YouTube. Will Lad McConkey get a look at punt returner? That's from Frosty Tavern. Sure he will. Uh, we got three deep in punt returners. You know, we got uh, Kiaris, who's this steady as a rock, and very close to breaking a couple last year, and now with his injury out of the way, and then uh, you know, lads, very sure-handed, and uh, and that's what you look at first. You got to be able to run up and and run underneath a short kick and keep it from rolling, and have the guts and decision-making process. And then uh, I think we got other guys that can can do it for sure. But uh, uh, who was who was the other receiver that was uh, coming back that's been hurt? Uh, Arian Smith. Dom, Dom, you know, the, his freshman year, he was the punt returner starter. And uh, so you got two guys that have started and returned kicks in the uh, SEC. And then Arian Smith can do it. Uh, uh, um, there, there's a lot of guys that can do it. Uh, so we, we're going to be good on punt returns. And I think we'll be returning a lot of punts. I think our defense is going to have a lot of uh, success stopping the other team. Uh, I did want to get to one of the other questions in that chat there because we were just talking about those guys and recruits. Uh, Tommy Williams says, how big was uh, C.J. Allen on the board for the dogs? C.J. Allen is one of the top uh, prospects in the nation. That's a, in uh, their minds. And in our rivals' rankings, he's not as high. So uh, when you take a kid that early, you know, I know they're after uh, Bo- uh, Troy Boyles. Uh, uh, Aguero, there, there's other guys that want an inside linebacker, but when you take that guy early, that means he's on your board. In other words, he had a committable offer. You saw all the coaches get excited. You saw Glenn Schumann tweeting out before the announcement came down. Uh, so I don't know if he's one, two, or three on their board. That's the gold. Our holy grail of information will be able to get a photograph of their recruiting boards to see how they have them. We never get those, but uh, oh, that's stay- none of your business. None of your business. No, you're <laughs> nobody's business, but uh, it's it's certainly. Uh, I do feel like that you got good contacts, so people tell you a, a lot. They ask your opinion about that rivals camp and what you were up there. That, I mean, th- that helps to, to know what a kid's talking about and things like that. I know we had a question. Uh, I don't want to miss it. That we were talking in our preliminary pre-show talk about some questions. One guy asked, "What are the new rules this year?" And I want to make sure I get that understood because I hang on. Let me let me pull up his name here because I want to be be nice. Uh, God, we got a lot of questions. Uh, uh, hey, it's our buddy dog in France, Coach. He says, "Any major rule changes we need to know about? Do you any you want to see?" Good question. Uh, the one thing that's going to happen on targeting this year is they're going to uh, it can be appealed. So if you got a targeting call and you're thrown out of the game uh, for the next week, it can be appealed. And uh, basically, uh, if a player is disqualified for targeting in the second half, the conference, uh, uh, at the request of the team, may appeal the foul to the national coordinator. Uh, 
the crown of the helmet is, is now defined as the top segment of the helmet. So they got to be careful that, you know, that you just don't hit with your face and all. It's got to be the crown. All right. Another one is the uh, Kenny Pickett rule, the, the Pittsburgh guy who, you know, faked a slide and kept going and scored a touchdown. Now, if you if you fake a slide, you, you become dead right there. You just can't do that to try to be uh, – then blocking below the waist, defensive team uh, exceptions, but players aligned in a stationary position within the one-yard line of scrimmage, at least particularly uh, partially within the tackle box, may, may – uh, you can block below the waist, but anything outside of the tackle block box now you can't. So you can't go down there and as a wide receiver and try to just dive at the guy's feet. Okay, good. Uh, he had a second question, Coach. He said, "How long until kickoffs are banned? Do you ever see them banning kickoffs for safety's sake?" Uh, you know they've made some really good rules on that. They don't let you have the wedge anymore, and they. Uh, you know, we've always had blocking above the waist since last 15 years. Uh, it's just a part of football. I, I don't know. Um, some of these new leagues don't do it and let them start. But I'd be okay if you started on the 25-yard line. Defensive coaches want you to start on the 10, but 25-yard uh, <laughs> uh, line would be good. But he's got some really good, good, good questions there. I think some things that I would love to see is – um, like the pros' defensive pass interference, I think it should be a spot foul, but probably never happen. Yeah, we have a lot more questions. I'll, Dane, I'll let you grab some of those from the uh, dogman. But first, I want to mention our uh, good friends over at Academia Brewing Company. I mention them every week is a great place to go see, and there's always something going on over there. Uh, last night they had game night. You know, it's free admission. They have specials on beer and cocktails. They have board games, card games, retro video games. Uh, Cornhole, collectibles, all kinds of crazy stuff going on over there. And they're always introducing new beers. Their newest beer is the uh, Born to Fall Cold IPA. Uh, it's a, uh, they're Born to Fall series. And this is their a cold IPA that you'll uh, really like. There's, I mean, there's just so much stuff going on at an academic program. I mean, they did have an AC issue, uh, but their uh, AC issue is fixed. Their air conditioning happened for just for a minute, but... Uh, comedy shows. I got one coming up on June 27th. Uh, tickets are eight bucks ahead of time, 10 bucks the day of the show. Uh, they're always doing comedy shows. They have car shows out there. Always something for you to do. And again, the food is fantastic. The atmosphere is great. They've got new uh, murals on the walls out there you need to check out. The place looks great. It's growing by leaps and bounds. It's, it's becoming a landmark in Athens. So many people are coming up, especially for the car shows, to check it out. Uh, just go and be a part of the community. And they give back to the community a lot, too. So when you get a chance, swing by Academic Brewing Company. Check them out on Facebook. You can see all their new stuff they got coming up. And, of course, it is also Tuesday. Uh, I need to mention them at the beginning of the show so people can order their pizza so that their stuff's ready by the end of the show. But it's uh, Tuesday, so go to Europie, uh, Europie.com. Use the Europie app. And order their uh, pizza prosciutto pizza. I know it sounds weird, but you know when you heard about uh, uh, pineapple and uh, ham or Canadian bacon on a pizza, you thought it was gross. Then you tried it, you liked it. If you're a weirdo, uh, but if you if, speak for you yourself, it's great. I, you would, of course, it would be you. But no, seriously, try the peach and prosciutto pizza. It is phenomenal. It wins awards. They bring it back every year. They, they'd like to let people, they have competitions and say, hey, look, create a pizza. And if it's uh, people really like it, we'll put it into the rotation and people can order it. Uh, this was one of their early winners and people loved it so much. They kept asking for it to come back. So now when the peaches are ripe, when they have a good supply, they bring back the peach and prosciutto pizza and folks love it. It's like, again, coach, it's one of those, uh, like you said, those kind of uh, bookmarks in the summers, like uh, Easter, Mother's Day, uh, Memorial Day, Father's Day, uh, SEC My birthday. Pizza Prosciutto Day is back. You know, the pizza, so it's it's here. So when you get a chance, uh, order it today on Tuesday because you get double points. It's the balsamic that really makes it, like, pop. I yeah. think. Because, like, it, it's a sweeter pizza. I get that. But, like, the, the combination is, is pretty flawless. Uh, and I, you know, also want to give a quick shout out to Classic City Eats because uh, just how quick and convenient they are. Uh, my high school is coming up to Athens for a function 
uh, this week, and uh, they were looking for a spot to eat for a big group of people on short notice. And so I just texted Josh at Classic City Eats and says, "This is something that that y'all could do." But yeah, we could do that. Have him give me a call. Like that's so cool. Not everybody is that way. Man, that would be the best meal they've had all year. Hey, coach. Right, before we get to like... some, yeah, before we get to those questions, coach, I, I was looking at Georgia's schedule because I'm kind of at the phase where I'm going through schedules for each team, matchups that I forgot that are happening, things like Auburn, Penn State. Uh, that's just going to be fascinating from like what happens to these programs. As a coach, when you look at a schedule, do you think of it in beginning, middle, end, or do you think of it in thirds? Or I guess just from a very broad standpoint, when when you see the season ahead. Where do you process that in your brain? Well, first games is the one that you just really put a lot of uh, emphasis on because it really sets the tone. But, you know, we always used uh, the first four games of, of the season. We did a spring scouting report on them and then a summer scouting report on them. So you had all that stuff from last year that you could use with what you have this year. Then after the fourth game, usually you're just going on everything that they do, you know, recently. And it got the same personnel in there that, you know, the first three games, the first one before that, you really don't know a lot about the personnel because you got younger guys. But but you also have a Bible or a category, you know, a category of uh, what this team's done in the past. And you look hard at that as far as your scouting. And, you know, they did this back in 2020 and, you know, things like that, just on Thursday when you do some renewal. But as far as the overview of the schedule segment, the first four games as far as preparation, then then really putting that uh, must-win game, you know, a game that just, you know, really could be uh, a team that's probably as good as you are, if not better, put a lot of emphasis on them in the summer. Uh, at this point, George is certainly going to be favored over everybody, but that's the way I would look at uh, And like I've told you so many times, even though we didn't do that great, but there wasn't a day in my life for the five years I was a coach that we didn't, that I didn't work on something about Florida. Uh, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but it always gave you a chance to think about them a little bit. So, Schedule-wise, you just uh, – once the season gets going, you can't worry about the, who you're playing three or four games down the road. But more than anything, the first four games. Is it harder to prepare for a first-year head coach like a Dan Lanning or one that's been a coach for a long time like a Mike Leach? Ooh, good question. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you a lot of what-ifs there. With a new, but we certainly know a lot about Lanning having coached with him, but uh, – I would say the first year coach, just because you don't know uh, what they're going to do as far as their coordinators, uh, is he going to run his system or is he going to run the coordinator system? You do have the benefit of all these games on spring games, at least seeing some basic stuff. But in the case of landing, you know, they're probably going to run the Auburn offense uh, or some form of the Memphis offense. That's where that Kenny Dillingham had a prior relationship with uh, coach landing at Memphis. So, uh, if it's Memphis, they really throw the ball down the field a lot. If it's Auburn, you know, a lot of screens, things behind a lot of scrimmage under Gus Malzahn. But then defensively, you got to think you'll run a similar package to us. But uh, i tell you one thing. Uh, it's pretty obvious that Dan Landing has hit the road running. You look at some of the guys that he's got visiting out there and recruits to carry him on, just incredible. And certainly a lot of credit goes to Marshall Malco. Uh, if you just look at Marshall – uh, and certainly every coach is a beneficiary of the place where he's working. I mean, I'm a lot better recruiter at Georgia than I would be at Kansas State. You know what I'm saying? It's just you, you, you've got your, your, who you're selling, nothing against Kansas State. But, uh, you know, I was there for 21 years, uh, dog years. Every year you're there, seven years off your life. When I was coaching there, man, we were we were struggling hard. But it got better, but it was the way it was. But – Getting back to there's <laughs> three years, back, coach wasn't 21. Getting back to Marshall. If you look at he was involved in two number one classes here as the director of personnel. And this last year he was at Texas AM. You can talk talk all you want to about the NIL, but they also had the best recruiting class probably ever 
as far as rankings. And now he's out at Oregon doing the same thing. The guy knows how to identify players and get the right guys in there. I mean, coaches got to recruit them and all, but that's fantastic to have that on your resume and have a guy like that. And that's one of the reasons why Landing went after him. I mean, he's kind of the director of uh, the foot, you know, like football manager out there, general manager. I mean, he's not necessarily the the personnel guy, but uh, very good good move getting Marshall there and. Certainly, we're doing. You know, uh, Roddy knows who's over here now. We got great personnel. Yeah, either Raper and Matt Godwin, those two. Those, were, those two guys are all stage. <laughs> Neilan and, and Matt, and uh, and that's one thing. Kirby's always got people waiting in the wings to step up. But this little shout out there to Marshall, that's pretty strong. Three different places now. He's been right yeah, up. I'm, there. I'm not talking about him ever again, Coach, because he was here. He could have been a good source for me. He never gave me anything. So. Yeah, that's why that's why he got number one recruits. He can be screwing up. <laughs> but I do want to shout out to uh, he was very good while he was here. But Neil Raper, the new director of ops at UGA, fantastic, and Matt Goblin. That's a guy who I'm sure if he was sitting in our room, he'd be like, "Why do you, your rankings are terrible? Here's yeah. who we like, you know." But yeah, Matt, Matt's got those classes, like you said, those camps. Yeah, it's like today. Today, Matt Goblin's got a list of everybody there. There, that's in there to get, and he he works around with Kirby and checks off to make sure he sees all those guys. And then if anybody pops up that they weren't sure didn't know about, then they will contact Matt and Kirby will go over there and make sure that he checks him out too. Obviously, the position coach is going to do it, but uh, very well organized. It, it's impressive. I can't imagine what he does. Um, I do want to share a screenshot here from with our. Uh, um, buddy uh, HBTFD89 who's uh, got us on his big screen in his Bulldog room. I appreciate that. That's, yeah, that's, that's impressive. Uh, hey, go dogs. <laughs> yeah, thank you, sir, for that. I love, his name's Dub on Twitter, so y'all give him a follow when you get a chance. Yeah, uh, good. A couple good. other schedule observations. Did you know that Auburn is only playing in three states this season? Uh, has eight home games and four road games. There's a chance that Auburn will not have to fly anywhere in the regular season. Well, I know they're in the state of confusion. <laughs> state of uh, just teed him up. State of depression and uh, state of anxiety. What is the other state? Oh, uh, that's three. You hit them all. You know, we're done. We're, we're done here. Uh, Auburn is. Uh, got some serious issues now i mean uh any way you look at it uh they did a good job and can you imagine just what if if tank bigsby had stayed in bounds instead of running out of bounds against alabama that game's probably over with that guy's probably got a new contract for life after beating nick saban in his first year and then after that they continued on a downward trend and ended up losing the bowl game and now they're trying to decide where they're going to keep him over this, and they they are. But uh, uh, I'd say he's living on Tulsa time. <laughs> Another team that only travels to three states. Uh, one, one second, real quick. Their recruiting ranking with their team is seventy third in the nation. They have two commits. Are they that? Are they that high? <laughs> There's only 128 teams, Coach, or 130-something teams. Uh, yeah, they're 73rd. They no. have and here's the thing. I, they got Braden Joyner, who's a fantastic offensive lineman, but he's out of Auburn, Alabama. You don't want to kick somebody when they're down, but let's kick them. Let's kick them, <laughs> kick them down. Couldn't happen to a nicer team. Another of your favorites, Coach, Texas only plays in three states this season, and they don't travel outside the state of Texas until October 22nd when they go to Stillwater. Well, that's going to be a difficult trip going up to Stinkwater, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be uh, always tough for Texas playing up there. But, you know, I think Texas right now, from my standpoint as an Oklahoma fan, I'm really enjoying the, the misery that Texas is going undergoing. It's just Im impressive to me to see them have a losing season with all the financial background they got and everything. Keep it up, Sark. Keep on, keep on losing. Man, we got so many questions about 
Texas and Arch Manning. It's I'm, I'm gonna keep asking questions there, Dana. Keep going through your uh, things. I'm gonna try to condense them all into just one or two. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those two. Pete Tech one is one of those, so we'll add him to the list of. Yeah, we didn't uh, have the last five minutes on Arch Manning. We can do that. <laughs> uh, this is from this is from OU Herschel Walker. Coach, happy belated Father's Day. Is there an NCAA limit to the number of analysts a team can have? How many can you have on offense, defense, and special teams? Well, he said, how many does Georgia have on offense, defense, special teams? I don't know there's any limit. The, the only limit is for graduate assistants. You can only have two, uh, you know, four total uh, graduate assistants. But as far as analysts, there, there's no – you can have as many as you can afford. Uh, Florida's gone – out the budget, but I mean, they've, they, they're spending a lot of money on analysts and, and people like that, but uh, game changing coordinators, game, coach, get it right. the game day, you can only have 20 headsets. So uh, a lot of those guys can't be on headsets. So they, you know, you got 10 on the offense and 10 on defense and the head coach, maybe it's including the head coach, but, uh, and that sounds like a lot, but when you look at, at so many, people that are involved like the offensive line coach has a GA that he's watching the offensive line and quarterback coach is you know helping out with uh, Munkin it's, and Munkin's a quarterback coach too along with but you got to have good uh, you got to have really good uh, communications on the headset and uh, I always like Oklahoma because about the second half I just take the headset off except and, you know, when we had to call a play on offense, so we, I was eating hot dogs in the second half most of the games. But uh, <laughs> did I ever tell you the story about – I think I've told it about the time that Switzer got me on the headset. I don't know. Was that to get a kid to call a play for a guy? Yeah, I mean, he – Yeah, yeah, yeah. The girl, the, the, the secretary called Switzer and told him to call up and tell me to put the guy in the game. And uh, I – I said, is he eligible? And he's a defensive back, and Switzer teaching him to play, and he went in the game and scored a touchdown. That's the only time Switzer ever talked to me in five years on the headset. I thought he was busting me, but it was true. He never even talked to me once. Well, he gave you complete carte blanche to do everything. So uh, He was good, but he, he, you know, we talked a little bit during the week. But what do we got next? This is from Lady A-Dog, one of our great posters at YouTube. Lady A-Dog, that's good. Yeah. So fantastic. Uh, I think she is down in Cairo. I think she's a syrup maker, if I remember that right. She's Lady Gaga. Here we go. She says, uh, can we bring back the women's clinic? You know, I think the women's clinic is one of the most fun things I ever did. Uh, we, we did it at uh, Marshall and some other places, and uh, it was it was fun. You know, uh, we, we started here, and then I think Coach Rick kept it going. Uh, but, you know, it's, some, it's kind of a – it's not a pain, but uh, it's, it's something you got to schedule and have time to do. But uh, it's, it's hard to get it in the schedule. But it really, uh, I never will forget the first ladies' clinic we had. This guy came to it and wanted to know why we wouldn't let him in. <laughs> and I said, It's ladies only. He said, Well, you're discriminating against the men. And uh, he said, Well, we'll just have to. But, uh, but the most embarrassed I've ever seen a coach probably, was Chris Selfo, our offensive line coach. Every coach had a little bitty segment that he was doing something. And he was explaining the quarterback center exchange. And this one woman said, hey, is it okay if I come up there and you take the snap from me? (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know what to do. Now, she she came up there and was ready to put the ball and snap it up to him and he said, well, I think probably we should just do the shotgun snap. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, that is a good point, though, Coach. Uh, I think the women's clinic – well, I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. UGA needs to open up the indoor practice facility for people to actually go in and see it. Maybe a viewing period or something. Not a practice period, but just a time that you can walk in and look around. It's impressive. Let the fans come in. Maybe it's one hour once a week or once every two weeks where folks just walk around to show a tour. Uh, but I love the women's clinic. It teaches people a lot about it. But also, I remember when I think Clemson had like a men's clinic and you could bring these 
couch coaches in, the one who, you know, second guess everything you do. Like when you were at the game uh, last year and everybody up in the stands is telling you know, the offensive coordinator how to us. run the ball and all that stuff. Let them sit through five minutes of you guys talking about formations and plays and let them realize that it's a completely different language when you guys start talking football and all that goes into it. And I just think it would do wonders to take the most diehard folks and kind of teach them how complicated this thing can be. And yeah, I love the women's clinic. I think it's great. It, it probably would be, but uh, it's not worth it really for, for the coaches. But uh, well, you can make a fortune off of it. From the women's standpoint. I mean, you know, the, the coaches, like I know Oklahoma State still has a uh, camp for the – the, the and Notre Dame and they're where they bet boosters come in and put on uniforms and yeah. go through the uh, locker room and uh, do everything and go through drills and show, and show them how they scout teams. Yeah, let, let the players do it and give they it to them, them NIL money. Yeah, they pay them a lot of money to come in and do that. And uh, didn't have it's a coach, coach come in and speak to them. I know I've, I've been to different places and, and spoken and then guys like you're talking about would ask you some questions and, you know, because I wasn't that at that school, I had, uh, had a lot of fun busting them and challenging them on a few things. And uh, like one guy, you know, I, he, I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a CPA. I said, well, you ever use a, uh, a calculator? I mean, so here we go. Let's go. What's next? Hey, Roddy, if you're going to be critical of not having the indoor practice facility accessible at times, which I do agree with you, we should also praise that Sanford Stadium has been made to where it's an icon, a landmark for every day out of the year. Most stadiums don't get used that often for the public. Sanford Stadium's that every day on campus. And Georgia's done a really good job of making that possible for the Yeah, students. that's great. Kudos to them. I do, I do love every May seeing all the uh, – Kids walk down and get their pictures in front of the stadium, their caps and gowns. They just yeah, that's awesome. on Instagram. That looks good. That's very unique. Uh, here's a question from UJ1195 that I missed last week. So apologies for that. Says Coach Donna, who do you think will turn out to be the next Nicobe or Roquan at Georgia as a linebacker? I hope somebody does. I mean, you know, those are hard to come by. Those guys are great, but uh, we got some good, good young players here. Uh, I think a guy's close to not misses I've seen around here in the last couple of years, Jalen Walker out of uh, Salisbury, North Carolina. He'll play a lot this year. Uh, I think he's going to be a big-time player. This is a good question from Howard Eubanks on YouTube. Which interior defensive lineman best complements Jalen Carter? It's going to be impre- – it's going to be really big for somebody to do that on the level that Jordan Davis and – and uh, what we had last year, so so they Bobby just White. so they just can't double team Carter, uh, put a lot of emphasis on him. But um, you know, I think we're going to have plenty of guys that can can fill in there, and uh, we'll be we got some big guys. I, I saw on Facebook today, uh, Coach Scott had his uh, defensive lineman out for the. Uh, uh, you know, coaches can have guys out to their houses and feed them and everything. I think it's good for morale. If I if I take a picture of that and send it to you, can you put it up here on this and let them see those people? I can I do that. Send it to me. You do that. I'm going to say, uh, to answer the question with my guess, and of course, you know, no, it's always a guess. I like uh, Tyrion, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins and Nazir Stackhouse. I think Stackhouse is just so fast. You know, he's yeah, like, I mean, he busted a lot a couple times. Coach, help me out here. You'd see him right. towards the end of a game, and he busts through the line. Is the offensive line tired, and I'm just giving him too much credit, or is he really that quick? Are you talking about Stackhouse? Yeah, he runs track. I mean, he's he's fast. Okay, I don't want to give him too much love. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't, but I just it's, it's it's real easy towards the end of a game when you're blowing a team out and they're they put in their second team or their first team's exhausted and you put in fresh legs and the guy looks phenomenal to give that guy too much credit. But at the same time, I'm like, man, Nazir just every time he got in looked great. And then Ingram Dawkins, young guy who was pushing people around. I thought uh, 
TID as they call them sometimes, or at least I do because I have a hard time saying Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, but I think either one of those guys could look really sharp. Hey, that's um, good. What we got next? Uh, uh, before we, we have some other questions I want to get to, but first I want to mention our friends over at Athens Ford. Uh, right now they have about 200 vehicles in stock. I know it's tough to find cars right now when if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle or a uh, new vehicle. Uh, I had a friend that was, he's not in state. Uh, he lives out in Dallas and he was complaining about the Texas dealerships out there. And I'm like, man, just fly here and drive it home. <laughs> I got it for you. And he's actually on their website. He goes, this is a very, a very good looking website because I can actually, I get, he realized that he can order one, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you can do that at Ford, you know, but the point being, you can actually go in there and you can customize a Ford vehicle and get it, the trim package you want, the style and all that stuff. So, uh, but right now, if you need to drive or, you know, uh, you want to go to an actual dealership and test drive vehicles, it's tough to find them at other places, but Athens Ford has a ton of them. Like I said, right, right now it says 194 vehicles. Uh, they're, they'll be up at 217. Uh, other times in the year, they're over 1,000. So uh, this is a place that always has them, but they're doing a fantastic job of actually getting inventory in. They turn it around fast. You know, that's not going to be there long. So you need to check that website a lot. They do a great job keeping the website updated. So if you're looking for a specific make and model, just keep checking back with them. And if it's there, it's going to be on their website. And, uh, or just call up and let, tell one of their uh, uh, salesmen, say, hey, look, this is what I'm looking for. And uh, they'll jump on and get it to you pretty, pretty fast. So they do a great job with that. And also I mentioned uh, Dead Soxie. Uh, we told everybody, look, you know, they had the UGA Sports promo. They got you 35% off their, anything on their website. Uh, we told you you can actually get your logo put on socks and you give those out to your uh, potential clients, you know, to, uh, to your uh, – staff you know to people in your company uh, they always got something going on but right now if you didn't get these for father's day and you got some crappy gift do yourself a favor go to deadsoxy.com order the socks you can get the georgia socks you can get uh, uh their um uh lounger socks you get their boardroom socks you know you can get their tie-dye ones you know they have uh these all different stuff you get the no-shows that i wear every day just about uh Check out deadsocks.com. These are incredibly comfortable. You don't need to have crappy socks. Make your feet hot on these hot summer days. And, you know, be in something comfortable. Uh, comfortable underwear, comfortable socks, comfortable shoes. The secret to life. So be sure at least you can knock off one of those with uh, dead socks. And hit them up when you get a chance. Uh, do have some other questions when we get to. Of course, uh, there is a good pick there. You got a good job, Dane. I do want to mention our friends that uh, yeah, Carter in there. <laughs> hey, ooh, man, those are big boys. How about feeding them? I wonder what they had. Mm. Had some chicken, I guarantee they love that fried chicken. Yeah, there's that uh all these players do. Yep. Uh yeah, well that's one of the things when uh, that's why uh, Classics of the East does such a good job. And I'm sure there's a couple uh big old cows disappeared with that group. Yeah, I mean the one thing I try to on this program is not give any inside scoop. Roddy gets on me about it, but I guarantee you, when I walk by that Bones place up there, that restaurant that, that we have, it's incredible what yeah. these guys eat. And then on the way out, they've got all these salads and sandwiches and bar, you know, fruit bars and protein bars and make all kind of different kind of waters. I mean, if you can find something wrong with that, and something's wrong with you, I'm just saying, God knows it's unbelievable. And we've actually had guys say that, you know, when they come on a, a tour and they take them through the restaurant and they show them where they can do their own cooking and they learn that stuff, that has impressed a lot of mamas. Talking about. Yeah, I mean, they got a separate, separate place right there where they learn how to cook. And then outside, they got the grills you just take out there and fix your own whatever you want to fix. So just, it's all. Everything in that building is morale based. It's just yeah. good for morale. I know that. Yeah. yeah. P Tech One said that he wanted uh, what it says. Rivals Adam Gorney is saying Texas is who Manning will be playing for. What say you? Uh, before we get into that one, there's um, uh, our buddy out in 
Dallas Dog says, uh, how do you manage taking uh, Eli Holston when Arch Manning is out there, Coach? Do you want a bird in the hand versus two in the bush? Do you take a kid now or do you hold spots open? Uh, Riley says, what are your thoughts on Arch now, now that he has visited Texans, Texas? So a lot of uh, Arch questions, Coach, and a lot of uh, – I think in the uh, case of uh, Alabama, uh, they, they've got to look at – you know, after this year, unless they get a transfer, there's not – I mean, the kid from Tennessee, the freshman, would be okay, but they don't have a loaded room. So they got to take two quarterbacks, and certainly Holstein is a good player, and I, I think that's why and they made it clear to Arch. I'm sure that he's their number one guy. And if you're a number one guy, you're not too worried about who's there uh, unless the guy's a returning Heisman Trophy winner or something. But uh, – and certainly Bryce Young is going to be leaving, so that doesn't matter. So, uh, But I think that's the way Nick did that as far as bird in the hand. And then as far as uh, what Arch is going to do, I mean, the, the thing that that really – the telltale thing is is uh, who's your boss is going to be big, and I think we got a big advantage there. And Kirby's established over a Texas guy um, – supporting cast uh certainly we got that because it's question where you know we're bagging on texas last year i mean they probably got some good transfers and gonna be better but but at the same time the guy looks at hey i got a chance to come in there and play early and make my own mark and you know sometimes people take that on their own challenge and you don't really know what the what they've talked to cooper manning his dad about as far as what what they can do for them, the whole family financially, even though they're in good shape, there's always even the rich guys like good deals. So I mean, who knows on that? I, I don't have a feel for it, um, mainly because there's just too much Texas talk for them not to be in on Texas. You know what I mean? So uh, it's going to be between the, the two of us, I think, at this point. It's what everybody's saying. Yeah, I want to mention uh, they had an offensive tackle. I think he was he was Finnish, and now he's uh, in uh, Connecticut. Uh, Olaus Allenen. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he's a big offensive lineman. Uh, he's playing here in the in the states now. He came down for an official visit and in from Finland. Yes, sir. That guy's the biggest guy. I mean, I thought I thought Marius Mims was big. This guy, uh, Marius Mims, looks like. Roddy compared to Shaq compared to this guy. Have you seen the picture of him sitting on the there with his family uh, on uh, Instagram? I'm not that guy. That guy is huge. I'm talking about tree trunk. Huge. He's a big old boy. And Kirby's. What was he saying about recruiting? We were talking about Kirby Kirby Smart was talking to him. I mean, Mr. Allenden says he, he made a really big emphasis on that he's going to sign this big, long contract and stay there. There's going to be stability in that program and how they're going to develop you and get you ready to where you want to be. They're going to be able to win championships. So Kirby Smart's telling these guys, you know, my contract's coming. Uh, it's going to be a long one. It's that stability. I'm going to be here. I'm sure they said the same thing to the Mannings. You don't have to worry about hot seat talk. You don't have to worry about, you know, this uh, – you know, questions about development. They're going to say the same thing and say, look, you know, the offensive coordinator, the three years you're going to be here, you know, he'll be here, that sort of thing. So they are pitching that stability. I don't know which way he's going to. And we had a uh, – I wound up speaking to a 2025 offensive lineman who is uh, Arch Manning's left tackle, uh, Brett Borderland. And we talked for a long time, Coach, uh, about Arch and – and I said, you know, okay, give me the inside scoop. What's going on with him? And the kid was very forthcoming. Brett's a uh, very polite young man, very, very bright. And he said, look, I, I, said, I can tell you he hasn't made a decision. There's no decision been made. If we made one, I'd know about it, you know. But he hasn't. Yeah. We've talked about playing together, and we talked about playing together at Texas, Georgia, Alabama. <laughs> so uh, I, I basically I hit him up for insights constantly and, you know, trying to get the inside scoop, and I'm, I'm decent at that. Yeah, there's none. I mean, there's anybody, not a decision made, in my opinion. More than likely, there's, uh, you know, unless he's just given a silent commitment. 
we've had, uh, I mean, I know how good we felt about that kid from uh, St. Louis. And uh, he left here coming to Georgia. And then the next day he went to Missouri. You just never know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luther Burden. Yeah. yeah. You got anything, anything else? Getting yeah. close to time. Here's the photo of a louse. Yeah, there's a big – you can see how big that boy is. That's a good photo. Look at that guy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Look at Del McGee. Del's like, damn. I've never seen anybody that big here. But uh, just for the uh, – any football fans out there, if you are uh, got a chance today to uh, be on uh, Feinbaum and talk about Kirby and the program, so – Anytime I can do that, we're on at 4 o'clock. If you don't have anything to do today, listen to the old coach again. You listen to me twice in one day, but uh, we'll have a chance to bust up on a few of these other programs. So I've always loved to do that. But uh, You do take a few shots. I love it. Uh, but I, I won't do it too bad. But uh, realistically, though, if you look at the SEC, uh, and you talk about long-term mobility of Kirby, uh, in the past year, they fired a guy that won a national championship two years ago. They fired a guy, uh, Gus Malzahn, who beat Alabama that year and paid him $21 million. They fired a guy, and Dan Mullen had been to three straight bowl games, New Year's bowl games, uh, the, the next year after he just signed a long-term contract. So uh, some of these schools are crazy. I mean, what? I mean the way they do things so fast, but we, that's not going to happen. I don't mean that about Kirby, but – I think anybody would have to think that he's he's about as good a situation as far as long-term as anybody. Uh, Coach, you mentioned Feinbaum. I want to give a quick uh, plug to you as well because someone on the dog then had asked me, hey, does Coach still do some of the uh, speaking tours, uh, doing corporate talks or, or team leadership, that kind of thing? And so uh, off air, I, I asked you if that's something that I, I may have done it before if you're still interested in. So if anyone yeah, – I mean, last year um, – uh, we, uh, Roddy and I went to a couple of bulldog clubs. We had a good time in both of those places. We predicted some things that might happen. They were just good as gold. Uh, and then, uh, uh, but what I used to do is a lot of corporate things, you know, where you did talk about leadership and, uh, have fun talking to people like whoever it might be, uh, d different kinds of, uh, companies, but, now that I'm by my, I can travel a little better now by myself, so we'll see. But anyhow, uh, good questions today, uh, really good questions. I enjoyed yeah. it. I got a couple more for you, Coach, before we sign off real quick. Uh, CCUGA says, is Georgia really going to have three specialists on scholarship next year? Looks like it. I mean, you know, you don't run people off. I mean, looks like we'll have the, the punter and Zirkle and Bob Lesney. Yeah. That'll be true. Uh the other thing I want to do is is uh, just uh, want to tell uh, our fans out there, we've got a lot of good supporters here uh, that do so much for our program and one that does about as much as it, and, and for the university as well is John Parker. And he, he just lost his wife, Kay, to a, uh, a long battle of illness and uh, just want to remember him and, and his family at this point. And, and we're just so fortunate to have John as a supporter and all the things that Kay did for Athens and the university and uh, just a tremendous family. And I want everybody out, and most people probably know about it, but everybody uh, out there, let's remember John and his family in this time of uh, deep mourning. Yeah, our thoughts go out to Johnny and uh, his whole family. Uh, the Georgia Athletic Directorship is named after his father. You know, this is uh, thank you, Scott. Yeah, that's right. This guy is a uh, gigantic donor to UGA, but his—he's not one of those guys that just writes a check. He is at baseball games. He is at tennis matches. He is at swim beats. He is constantly uh, a a true supporter. He does it financially and with his time, as did his family. So. Uh, I've gotten to know John a little bit over the past couple of years. Uh, phenomenal person, and uh, I hate it that his wife has passed. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's tough, but smart, smart, smart guy too. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel pretty dumb every time I talk to him. Better know what you're talking about when you start talking to him because he can 
he knows about everything about everything. But yeah. anyway, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. So uh, good questions. So let's let's roll. Yeah. Folks, be sure to send in your questions next week. We'll get to them as well. ID when you get them in earlier, you get them. You have to a much better chance of getting them answered because we have, we asked them at the beginning of the show. Uh, tune in next Tuesday at noon. In the meantime, uh, be sure to stop by our sponsors, of course, Academy Brewing Company, Athens Ford, Your Pie, and Dead Soxie. Check them out, and uh, we really appreciate by tuning in. Hit the uh, subscribe button and hit the share button on both of these, uh, uh, whatever format you're watching this, be it YouTube or Twitter or. Facebook, we greatly appreciate it, and we will see you next week.